Good morning, and it's so awesome to welcome you into the house, to the house of God this morning. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please take your seats for just a few moments. You can question a lot of things, but you cannot question the presence of God that is in this place right now in this moment. Man, it is so good to welcome you today, and I'm excited, I'm thrilled to be before you, to be able to share with you what God has placed in my heart. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to be looking at 30 verses of Scripture, but I'm going to use a teaching method called chunking. And we're going to go through it uh, at, at a pace. So Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 2. 1 and 2, should I say. I am so excited to, that next Sunday, Pastor Tom Lowe from Christ Church is going to be here with us. Man, it is going to be awesome. And if you uh, don't let anything get in your way of being here next Sunday, we're so excited to have him and his, his lovely wife, Trina, that are going to be joining us. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army, a large army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is N-Gedi, that is N-Gedi. I read a story, it was Easter morning of 1799, and the people of Feldkirch, Austria, were terrified because they believed that that Easter would be unlike any Easter that they had experienced before. They truly believed that that Easter was going to be the worst day of their lives. And I'll tell you why, because outside this fortified city, outside the gates of the city, stood the army of Napoleon Bonaparte, and he wanted to come in. The citizens were ready to raise the white flag of surrender. There was absolutely no hope that they could wage war, that they could fight against the, the strength and the fierceness of Napoleon. While they were ready and realizing what day it truly was, the leader of the church had a different agenda. And he said, before we give up and before we surrender, before this army comes through these gates and plows in and takes over our city, he said, this is Easter day. This is the day of our king's resurrection. And we have to have a moment of triumph. And we have to have a moment of victory. It doesn't matter what is on the outside. I can't lose focus of what day it is. Because of Christ's resurrection, there is hope in our lives. So he tells the people, let us at least ring all the bells of Easter. And with hesitation and with fear in their hearts, the people agreed. Soon the sound of the church bells started ringing and, and celebration and victory all of a sudden filled the air. On the outside, Napoleon's army was astounded. They could not believe what was taking place. What could it mean? 
So they jumped to conclusions and they started thinking, why would there be a celebration knowing that we're about to come in and take over the city? So they concluded that there was only one possible explanation that could account for such a joyous celebration, and that was that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to help defend the town, and the bells had not stopped ringing when all of a sudden Napoleon's army turned around and left, not knowing what was truly taking place, just simply gathering the conclude or jumping to conclusions of what they heard. In our text today, God's people find themselves in a similar situation, in an impossible situation, and they do not know what to do. They do not know what is going to happen next because they have received some terrifying news. They do know that they don't have strength within themselves to be able to carry out what they need to be able to do to be victorious. They know that they can't help themselves. Have you ever felt that way? When you feel helpless, when you know that something is on the horizon, when you know that something's taking place, but yet you know that within yourselves you don't have the strength, you don't have the energy, you don't have the know-how to be able to confront what is coming. Sometimes we face situations like the people of God in Second Chronicles. Sometimes we face situations that leave us filled with fear, that leave us filled with uncertainty. And we don't know how to respond in these moments because our situation is indeed impossible. It is difficult. It is impossible. But God works in ways. Amen. He works in ways that we cannot see. And if we stay faithful to him and trust him and stay by his side, he will not leave us. Our growing trust in him will allow us to call out to him for help. As you go through something and, and you call on him and you see him moving your life, that, build, that builds confidence and that builds trust. As you go through something else, it, it, once again, you see God moving your life. It builds trust and it builds confidence. And you say, the same God who helped me then will, will help me now. It builds trust and it builds confidence. And we know that if we call on him, he will answer. So let's look at the story a little bit deeper and see if we can learn how to respond in impossible situations that come our way. And what you're facing today, you can find hope and you can find encouragement in his word. Let's jump right in. The threat, so what we see is the threat of the enemy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 2, we understand that the enemy was already in the land. We understand that they were coming close. They were already in the land of Judah, and they were getting closer to that point of the stronghold of Jerusalem where this king, this King Jehoshaphat, was living. And they were on a mission to destroy Jerusalem and to destroy all of God's people. That was their only objective and the threat was real it was clear and present danger war had been declared war had been declared and the troops were already marching Hezazon Tamar or Engedi was in town was in the town of the wilderness of Judah it was on the western shore of the Dead Sea it was close to 30 miles away so the likelihood of the attack 30 miles was about a day's travel it was just a day 
away. They knew it was inevitable. They knew they could hear it coming. They could see it coming. They could feel it coming. And this may be a picture of the events in your life today. This may be a picture of what you're facing or the mountain that stands before you, that there is an enemy in our land, that it it seems that day after day after day it's closing in and the problem becomes greater and greater and greater. And, And the more that we tend to feel it and the more that we tend to see it, it becomes greater in our lives. And he has, we have an, we have a real enemy. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion, that he moves around seeking whom he may devour. He has wrecked families and maybe he's wrecked your faith. He has attacked our relationships, our health, our finances. He's assaulted our confidence. He has assaulted us, leaving, feeling, leaving us feeling weak. And maybe perhaps even leaving us feeling ineffective, too timid, too timid or terrified to even use the weapons that we have, to even go before the throne of grace and, and to find mercy in the time of need. He has messed with our unity. He has messed with our commitment, trying to get us to turn on one another instead of fighting together alongside each other. He has thrown every distraction possible to the church, and he he will not stop until he accomplishes his goal. He, he will not stop until he can, he can distort, distort who we truly are in Christ. And in, and in many ways, he has gotten well, well past the outlining areas. Unlike the enemy in this reading, he has played our greed, making us think that if we tend to work more, we can accumulate a bunch of stuff and just be happy that way. And that in turn has made us slaves to our jobs and to any endeavor that will allow us to get more money. And on top of that, he has infiltrated our culture. Yes, I'm going there to such an extent that wrong seems right to many and right seems extreme or completely out of touch. It is no small campaign. He's using every weapon. He's, he's taken out every arsenal. He's taken out every enticement he can come up with to throw the people of God into panic, into confusion, or to complacency. Not even, and now even if this assessment isn't an accurate picture of what you're facing, now if, if what I have described is, is too much of, for what you are facing, let me assure you that you do have an enemy who is on march and who is coming who wants to attack you who wants to attack us who wants to attack our family maybe you're under attack right now but he doesn't want you to just simply have a bad day no he's he wants to take us out he knows that there is destiny on us and he knows that there is a future in christ in us he wants to take us out the bible says that the thief comes to seek to steal and to destroy, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am grateful that John reminds us that greater is he that is in me. So while I described a bunch of loom and doom, know that it doesn't take the focus that God is still on the throne and that he, his spirit, his presence lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if Christ is in us, we can do, that's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. I know what it's like to have and I know what it's like to lack. I know what it's like to be in a bound, to have abounding things. And I know what it's like to be suffering and struggling, but in it all, I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. But the threat is real. 
And we can't fight him in our own strength. We can't fight him in our own strength. So how is your strength today? How are your resources? How is what you have at your availability? Maybe you feel like you're at a point of surrender. Or maybe you just hope that if you close your eyes, he'll go away. Leave him alone and maybe he'll leave you alone. So now let's look at how the king responded to this real threat. And we could take some things from God's word and apply it to our lives when there is a threat in our lives. The response to the threat. Jehoshaphat was alarmed by this news and he sought God for guidance. He sought God for guidance. We have to stop picking up the phone and we have to start going before the throne. We have to stop picking up the phone and we have to go before the throne. Are we seeking guidance from the Lord? He also gave orders that everyone throughout Judah should observe a fast. And this is what the Bible says. I'm going to do a little bit of reading. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood before the people of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, oh Lord, God our ancestors. Watch what he does. He recalls, you alone are God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple for you. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, disease, or famine, we can come to and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you and save us and you will save us you will hear us and rescue us and now see what the armies of Haman, Moab, Mount Seir are doing you would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt so they were so they went around them and did not destroy them now see how they reward us for they have come to throw us out of your land which you have given to us as an inheritance oh our god won't you stop them won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. I know that's a lot of reading, but Je Jehoshaphat's first response might be the same as ours. He was alarmed. He was panicked. He didn't know what to do. It was a moment of frustration. He, he was afraid of the harm that the enemy might bring to him and the people that he was called to lead. But he did not let fear immobilize him. Are we letting fear immobilize us? Are we letting fear stop us in our tracks this morning? Are we letting fear take over and, and be greater th than the God that we truly serve? Are we letting fear immobilize us? He did not let fear immobilize him for long, but he went to the Lord for guidance. He didn't act alone. He said, hey, everyone, it's time to fast. It's time to seek him. And Jehoshaphat's prayer, it started with a praise and then a promise. It started with a praise, then a promise. He rehearsed God's promise to be with them and help them and to give them the land that they were on. He said, hey, God, you're the one that gave us this land. You're the one that drove out the giants that were here before us. If it were not for you, I wouldn't even be where I'm at today. God, I recognize that I have made it to this point because you paved the way. You made the way for me to be here in this moment. He, he rehearsed that in his mind. And then he confessed his own weakness and his inability to defeat the enemy. He said, God, I can't do this. 
I can't do this on my own. He confessed that he did not know what to do, but he was looking to God for his help. Someone said this, that in his prayer, Jehoshaphat reminded himself and the people who God was, and then he reminded God who they were. I'll tell you that you are strong, and I'll tell you that you are mighty. I'll tell you that you are the God that made a way for me to be here today. I'll tell you that you came in when no one else gave me a chance. I'll tell you that there is no one like you. He, he started his prayer with a praise and he said, it, and this is what's awesome, he didn't even know how the story was going to end. He didn't even know if the army was truly going to invade him, but it doesn't change the fact that our God is worthy. It doesn't change the fact that holy, holy, holy is the Lord. All of the earth is full of his glory. It doesn't change the fact of what is outside it doesn't change the fact of what I am facing. He is still strong. He is still mighty. He is still powerful. He can still do the impossible. He can still work miracles. He can heal relationships. He can heal marriages. He can heal my body. He can do it all. So it doesn't change the fact. We don't even know how the story ends and he's already praising him. He's, he doesn't know if his life will end that day, and he's still praising him. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm still going to glorify you, and I'm still going to give you the glory. I'm still going to lift your name up. I'm still going to do that. It started with praise. He confessed that he was looking to God. But the truth is that sometimes we, we feel like Jehoshaphat Sometimes we feel like there is no hope. Sometimes we feel like we're backed up into a corner between a rock and a hard place, however you define it. Sometimes it feels like we don't know what to do. Sometimes it feels hopeless. And there are times of crisis when we really have no idea what to do. And know that if God doesn't help us, that something horrible will come to pass. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He looks, at, he looks at him. He looks at God, and then he looks at his own life. And then he responds to the word. Look, look at this, Second Chronicles 20, verse 13 through 17. I'll read it to you. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of them standing there. His name was Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah. And Levite, who was a descendant, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen to all the people of Jerusalem and Judah. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's, that's encouraging for me today, that the battle is not mine. It's God's. But how many times do I catch myself trying to fight the battle myself? How many times do I try to pick up the phone and try to work things out in my own ability? And, and then I question myself when I fail because I'm trying. I can't do anything. He can do all things. He says, it is, the battle is God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of, of Ziz and the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerel. But you will not even need to fight. 
take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. The first thing of importance here today, the first thing of importance that we see right here in this portion of the scripture is that we need the word of the Lord. We need the word of the Lord. We need to listen to what God says, understanding that you as a believer are in a relationship with him and that he is on your side and that he is for you. He is for you. I'm glad that it reminds me of what Paul says in the book of Romans, that if God be for us, who can be against us? I, I love the fact that it doesn't say that if God be with us, he's not solely with us because the truth of the matter is you can be standing right next to me and not be for me. You can be with me and you cannot be for me. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You can be by somebody and not really want them to succeed. You can be in the proximity of somebody and not really want them to be blessed. But, but the word tells us truly what God's purpose is. He is for us. He is for us. Listen to what he says. Uh, equally important is what we do with the word once we hear it. Do we act on the word? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. Do we respond to his word? Do we respond to his word? Think about that in a, in a rhetorical form. He, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. But how many of the times have we found ourselves lying in bed worried about tomorrow? Let's just be real here. How many times do I find myself worried about tomorrow after he's already said, don't worry about it. I need to get to a point where I respond to his word. How many, he says in his word, fear not. But the truth of the matter is I find myself, myself afraid sometimes. I find myself afraid sometimes. Fear not, but I find myself afraid. How many times? So God's word to Judah was don't be afraid. This is God's battle. It's not yours. March out against him. All you have to do is just take your position, then stand still and watch what the Lord is going to do. Watch the Lord's victory. And it's a lot easier said than done. You try marching to, to an army that is larger than you. I, I can, you can imagine 2 Chronicles 20, 18 through 21 says this, then King Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. They worshiped the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went into the wilderness of, of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his apostles and you will succeed. After consulting the leaders of the people, the king appointed singers. Isn't this awesome? He appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. 
while on the inside they really could be feeling that this is the last day of my life, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord for his mercy, his love endures forever. It reminds me of what Paul said. He said, in everything, give thanks to the Lord. He didn't say for everything, but he said in everything. Whether I'm sick, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm, whether I'm doing well or whether I'm not doing well, in everything, I ought to give thanks to him. So they march out. They march out to this army, not knowing what to expect, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I'm facing a trial in my life, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. I may not be doing well emotionally, psychologically, or physically, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I've been in a better season of my life before, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. My body doesn't feel as good as it did 10 years ago, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. I may be taking more medication than I ever have before, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. My boss may not like me, but I'm going to give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. What are you facing today? What is coming against you today? I challenge you that if you just put your focus on praising him beforehand. You see, that, that, that's, where, that's where we get it wrong sometimes because we want to wait to see the end result. Anybody can shout after you've won the game, but can you shout before? That, that is the challenge that I have for you today. Can you just, in, in, in your own way, however you know how to praise him and however you know how to lift him up, can you just say, God, I, I thank you in advance. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to thank you because your love endures forever ever. The king himself bowed down with his face to the ground and the people followed him. They worshiped God in response to his word. And this should be our first response. When God speaks, we ought to worship him. We ought to lift him up. We ought to remember who he is. We ought to remember how big he is and how small we are. It reminds us of how privileged we are to come into this house and to be able to unite with other believers and to be able to lift up the the name of Jesus. They began to praise the Lord with a loud shout. Shouting praise was often done in the battle setting. And I also think that there is something spiritual that takes place here as they begin to worship him. It's as if they were already celebrating the victory before God because God had promised it. They were celebrating it simply based on the fact that God had declared it. His word it, it remains forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away before one word from God passes. And even though the, the flower fadeth and the grass withereth away, his word remains forever. If there is one thing that he is, he is faithful to his word. If you, you can question all of my words and you can question your neighbor's words, but you can't question his word. His word is faithful and true. They began shouting if the worship team will come. They began celebrating the victory simply because God had promised it. 
What has God promised you this morning that you are still worried about? What has God promised you this morning that you have yet to celebrate because you're waiting to see how it turns out? What has God promised you in his word already that you have yet to celebrate because you're saying, well, I don't know about this time. It, it, it doesn't seem like all the other. Is he the same? Isn't he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Isn't he the God that there is no shadow of turning and that there is no variableness? They were celebrating it. So as they marched out the next morning, King Jehoshaphat called the people to believe God and he said, if you believe him, stand your ground. Then he put the singers in the front of the army who sang. So instead of letting fear control the response and instead of fear taking over the situation, they said, I'm going to set the tone. I'm going to set the singers in the front and we're going to start a praise. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. I'm going to praise him solely based on his word. And when we have heard from God, then our response is to worship him in reverently then praise him with all we've got so this is what happens they test every word that you hear in the bible so look look at what takes place in verses 22 to through 25 at the moment that they began to sing and give praise the lord caused the armies of Ammon, moab and mount seir to start fighting against themselves you can't make this up they started, the enemies started fighting against themselves. The armies of Moab, Ammon, turned against their allies. The, here they're all coming against God's people. Can you imagine this taking place? And they turned against each other and they killed every one of them. And after they had finished off the army of Seir, they turned on to each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all there was were dead bodies lying on the ground for as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amount of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. The enemies looked at each other. God said confusion, and they fought against each other. And God's people just stood by and watched it all. Don't tell me that he can't do it. Don't tell me that he can't do it. Reading something like this brings encouragement to when I face situations where I feel discouraged. If I serve a God that can make my enemies fight each other, I serve a God that can make my enemies fight each other. All I have to do is stand still and wait on him. Though they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So I'm coming to you to tell you today we serve a God that can do anything. We serve a God that can work through anything. We serve a God that can do anything with anything. Don't tell me that he can't do it. Don't tell me that he can't do it. If he can make enemies fight each other just for me, just for his people, what can he do with what you're facing today? If he could do that for Jehoshaphat, 
in 2 Chronicles 20, he can do it for you in 2021. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. What are you facing this morning? That seems impossible. That seems too difficult. What are you facing this morning? That God says, I have a word for you. You won't even need to fight. Just show up praising me. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's with you. He is with you. If you think you can do it on your own, you're mistaken. But if you rely on him, you can see extraordinary things take place. I'm out of time, but I, I, do, I need to share this with you. And this is what's awesome, that they didn't claim the victory for themselves. They didn't get arrogant and think that they, it was their might, it was their power. But once again, they, they entered the battle praising. And at the tail end of it, they worshiped and praised again. They thanked him. And this is what the Bible says. On the fourth day, they gathered in the valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the valley of blessing today. Then they returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them full of joy that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, to, to the music of trumpets and proceeded to the temple of the Lord when the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself, when they heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God has given him rest on every side. For someone in this place that feels tired, for someone in this place that feels weary on the inside. God wants to give you rest. But this is what's incredible. Notice what it says. Every valley of trial and hardship that the Lord brings to you can become a valley of blessing. And it takes time to explain how it got its name, the valley of blessing. It wasn't because God defeated the enemies right then and there. That's not how it got its name. It got its name there because there was people that were willing to praise before and there was people willing to praise after. There was people willing to praise regardless of the circumstances. Are there any hallelujah, anyhow people in this place? I'll praise him anyhow. I'll praise him regardless. I'll lift him up because of who he is. I'll glorify him because of who he is. I'll lift him up because of who he is. 
If he does it or if he doesn't do it, he is still God. He is still worthy of my praise. He is still worthy of it all. He is still worthy to be lifted up. He's still worthy to be lifted up. Come on. Is there anybody here that can praise him with your whole heart? We lift you up in this place. We lift you up in this place. We lift you up in this place. reason why I think this is so awesome because we tend to think of the valley as a dark place as the the mountaintop and as of the valley we remember what David said though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil we associate the valley with something negative and we associate the valley with something bad but this became a valley of blessing you can praise him in your heartache you can praise him in your depression you can praise him in your anxiety you can praise him in your frustration and God can work there it became a valley of blessing because of their response to God's word it was his response so I declare today relationships can be healed I declare that bondages and addictions can be broken. I declare that families can be reunited. I declare that wounds from the past can be healed. I declare that when the enemy advances, that we as the people of God will pray and praise. I declare that when when the Lord speaks, we obey. And when the Lord fights, we will praise him and we will thank him for who he is and what he has done. So regardless of where you find yourself in this place, I want to I'm going to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. Regardless of where you find yourself in this moment right now. God wants to do something new. God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to do something incredible in your life. I challenge you this morning to respond to his word. I challenge you this morning to respond to his word that right where you're at in this moment that you begin to thank him prior to anything being done, prior to anything being fulfilled, that you would just thank him, that you would respond to his word. And maybe in this place, you've never had the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you haven't responded to his word that he so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you haven't responded to that word today. You can do so right now. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that is you in this place, I want to invite you to just raise your hand right where you're at. Raise it high. Let us know in the chat. Yes, we're going to pray a prayer right now. We're going to pray a prayer right now. So please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I need you. 
I know that you're Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. I confess you as Lord, as Savior, and as King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you made that one, if you made that decision today to accept Jesus as your Savior, we'd love to connect with you. talk to you about the incredible decision that you've just made in this moment right now. Before we close out this service, we're going to have a moment of worship. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If you're in this place, there's something in your life that you are facing and you're choosing this morning to say, you know what, God, I'm going to respond to your word. I'm going to respond to your word. I'm going to believe that the battle is not mine, but it belongs to you. I'm just going to praise you right now. I'm going to praise you right now for who you are. I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. If you feel comfortable, if not, we're going to pray for you right where you're at. But I'm going to invite you right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you can do anything. I thank you that you can do anything. I thank you that there's nothing impossible in my life for you. It may be impossible for me, but... You can do anything, God. And I, right now, I choose to make an active decision. I choose to praise you through what I'm facing, through what I'm going through, through the trial, through the trauma, through the challenge. I choose to praise you right now, God. I choose to praise you right now. I know that you're going to fight for me. I know that you will fight my battles. I know that you will fight my battles and I put my trust and I put my confidence in you right now, God. And I just thank you for who you are. I just thank you for who you are. I just thank you for who you are in this place as we go into a moment of worship. Come on, Impact City. Let's lift up the name of Jesus right now for who he is.